On today's program, we're looking at a problem that seems to be getting more common as we're prescribed more and more medications. Are there any dangers from mixing prescribed medications and over-the-counter medicines? What are the chances of overdosing ourselves if we don't fully understand what the medications are for? Welcome to the program and welcome too to my guest Dr Annette Crothers and pharmacist Brett Plum from GP Access. Welcome both of you and thank you for coming back to the program. Annette, how common is the problem of medication management? Well, our Australians are great medication users. Every year almost 200 million prescriptions are dispensed and that amounts to nearly 10 per person. In any two-week period, medication has been taken by 70% of the overall population and over 90% of of older people. And while there's no doubt that taking medicine saves lives and is often the most cost-effective and convenient form of treatment, it's also well established that some medicines are inappropriately prescribed and used. How are we going to know or who's to judge whether they're appropriate or not? Well, unfortunately, problems with medication is one of the most common causes of unintentional harm in Australia, with approximately 140,000 hospital admissions per year related to problems with medications. People over 65 years have higher rates of medication incidence as they are the greatest users of medication and they're more at risk of experiencing medication-related adverse effects. The costs in human and financial terms are really quite substantial and many of these problems are potentially preventable. You were saying as we get older, 65 plus, does that also bring down the point of even though we're very careful, we don't always understand what's happening and so that puts us at a greater risk? That's right. I think one of the clear things is it's important that people understand their medications, the reason they're taking them, and and how to take it. Mm. And the more people know about their medicines, the less likely they are to suffer harm from inappropriately using them. What sort of problems can arise? There are a few different categories. Allergic reactions would be the most common, and and that can be anything from a rash to, to breathing difficulties and occasionally even collapse. The most common allergic reaction is to the drug penicillin, which, of course, has been very widely used. But we can also get side effects from medication, and this can be confusion or drowsiness, bleeding, blurred vision, even hallucinations. Some medications prescribed for one reason can aggravate a pre-existing medical condition. Uh, Things like asthma, epilepsy and glaucoma are of note there. If we can go back for a minute to this thing about penicillin, as you say it's been prescribed for donkey's years, is there an alternative to penicillin these days? There are indeed. Uh, A significant proportion of the population is allergic to penicillin and uh, there's another drug called erythromycin that we would commonly substitute, but but there Mm. are fortunately several alternatives. So if someone is really sick and needs it, they don't necessarily have to miss out simply because they're allergic to to one or the other. That's right. It can become problematic if uh, people are allergic to multiple medications, then the, Mm. the, the choices do narrow at times. And is some of that trial and error with the patient to get them to find the the correct one and the correct doses? Well, once someone has had what is clearly an allergic reaction, Mm. we should probably never use that drug with them again. Mm. And it's then important that that is clearly documented uh, for the GP and anyone else who might be treating that patient to ensure that they don't receive it again. What about overdosing and underdosing? Overdosing, I guess, comes about, as you said, one reacting against another for different conditions. Are there times when simply they're prescribed a stronger amount in a prescription that just doesn't 
do the right thing? Well, people will at times decide to change what, what they've been advised. Well, one of the risks with overdosing is, for example, someone in severe pain may, if their pain's not relieved with their medication, may simply take more. And one of our most common drugs, paracetamol, that's a real issue with because uh, you don't need to take too many more paracetamol to be at risk of, of um, kidney, dam- kidney and liver damage. It's, oh, okay. uh, it's quite a toxic drug in mm. overdose. Underdosing occurs when people don't finish a course of antibiotics or decide they'll only take half the dose the doctor prescribed. Because I feel better now and I don't need to take any (laughs) more. Unfortunately, if the infection isn't completely uh, eradicated, it it Mm. will turn up back again sometimes. And then if that happens, is there um, some form of immunity to the original drug? If they take, for example, antibiotics for three days instead of five, I'm okay, Um, I'm better and then it reoccurs, the fact that they've taken for the first three days, does that lessen the effect if they have to go back on it because it's reoccurred? Well, the issue there is the emergence of uh, drug-resistant organisms, Mm. and sometimes if if an organism is only partially treated, it may develop resistance to that antibiotic. Mm. And you've probably heard of MRSA now, where multi-resistant Staphylococcus aureus, which Mm. uh, is a real issue in hospital, where some of the staphylococcal germs have become resistant to many of the commonly available antibiotics. I guess what we're hearing there is if you're given a a prescription for X number of days or dosage you take for that amount. That it is important to mm. complete the course, yes. Mm. You said about some of the side effects of, of some of the medicines and things is it can affect making us drowsy or dizzy and then particularly in elderly, I guess, there's falls and, and general malaise. How but do you get around that if, if you only see the patient today and then you're not going to see him for a fortnight? Well, falls are a real issue in elderly people. Uh, we see far too many people admitted to hospital with uh, fractured femurs, particularly from uh, from a fall relating that is often preventable. Now, we need to be aware of, of medications that, that may increase drowsiness or, or lower the blood pressure and use them much more carefully in the elderly population. We really discourage the taking of sedatives and sleeping tablets in older people because that unfortunately greatly increases their risk of of having a fall. Mm, And I guess um, I didn't sleep very well last night. I might just take an extra tablet. Does that happen? Unfortunately, yes, and (laughs) really, really discouraged it. What about the things like um, travel sickness tablets and cold and flu tablets? I mean, they're basically over the counter. But do they have an effect as well to, that they can cause drowsiness? They do indeed. Uh, cold and flu and travel sickness tablets and some strong painkillers can all have drowsiness as a side effect. Now, if there's another medication being taken that might cause a little bit of drowsiness and you add in this tablet as well, that can really potentiate the effect and, and greatly mm. increase the risk. You see on packets when you buy them, if this causes drowsiness, don't drive or use machinery or whatever. But that's if you're taking one. But as you say, if they're taking something else as well, they may not associate both being the cause of the problem. Indeed. So those warnings about drowsiness do need to be taken very seriously and, mm. and, and we encourage people to ask questions when they're already taking multiple medications. Brett, what sort of drugs are most likely to cause problems? Yeah, certainly are. There are a number of classes of medication which are associated with more problems than others. Just to expand a little bit on what Annette said regarding paracetamol, another issue is that paracetamol is found in a number of different preparations as well. 
for instance, a person may go to their local pharmacy suffering from cold and flu symptoms. So they're taking cold and flu tablets. They're also taking, they have some body aches as well. So they take just some regular Panadol as well. They're also taking some lamb soup as well. So in this instance, they're actually taking three different preparations that all contain the maximum dose of paracetamol. So they're actually triple dosing. So that's another incidence where people can actually end up taking significantly more than the, um, the prescribed dosage of paracetamol. Back to um, the, the medications which are most commonly associated with problems. Anticoagulant medications like warfarin and other blood thinning medications are a common cause, along with anti-inflammatory medications and other cardiovascular drugs. These are probably the major causes of preventable and high-impact problems. Collectively, these groups make up for over half of all of the adverse drug events that we, we come across. Other problematic classes of drugs include opioids such as morphine for pain relief, antibiotic medications, hypoglycemic agents for diabetes, including insulin, other steroids, hypnotics, and medications for epilepsy. It's a dangerous path we tread out there, isn't it? <laughs> when you sit and think about the amount of drugs that we do use and the problems that, that we can get into. It is, but there's a lot of advice out there as well, and there's a lot of yeah. help that's available. When patients um, start a new medication, they should al- always um, speak to their doctor, and I think to their pharmacist as well, about potential yeah. um, risks and side effects that might occur particularly early on when they start their medications because this is the time when these side effects are most likely to occur. If the patient suspects that they are having a side effect to their medication or um, having any unusual problems, it's really important that they speak to their, their GP or to their pharmacist as the GP may be able to change their medication or their dose um, and this, this may alleviate the problem. Brett, you've said about if they start off a new medication, they should get some advice from the GP or the chemist. Is it just they're told about it or is it written down so they can read it? If you get my my drift, because very often, particularly the elderly, they'll go in and, and they're told, you may find that this, this or this will happen. Yep. And then they start taking the drug and, and, oh, I don't feel well, what did he say? But if it's written down and given to them, is that handed out? That sheet handed out almost every time from the pharmacist. It is. It's the first time that each patient is prescribed a new medication, they should receive what's called a consumer medicines information. This is a, a written form of information which outlines what the medication is used for, other medications that it might, might interfere with, some precautions about the use of it, along with some common side effects. Unfortunately, the list of side effects is sometimes um, a little bit, from my experience, over the top, and this can actually uh, sometimes worry patients a little bit. But it is important that they are aware of anything that might be potentially related to their medications and also being aware of any other medications, that, whether they're over-the-counter or prescription medications that might interfere with these. They can also point out to patients precautions such as things like if their kidneys or their, their liver isn't working mm-hmm. as well as, as what it should be, which may make them uh, more likely to be at risk of having an accumulation of that drug and therefore side effects to the medication. How would, if someone is, how can I put this, if they're, they're taking a drug which could affect their kidneys but they're not aware that they have a, a kidney problem at this stage, the drug that they're taking could possibly hasten those symptoms and, and sort of trigger it off? Yeah, certainly. It, it would probably be a prompt for their GP to investigate mm-hmm. how their, their kidney function is if they're taking a regular dose of a medication and for some reason they're experiencing more adverse effects than, than another person taking the same dose. That may be a prompt to, for their, uh, their doctor to mm-hmm. run some, some tests to, to investigate how their, their kidney function is. So I guess this is one of the reasons why the, the doctor 
will say, take these, see how you're going, and I'll see you in a fortnight or whatever, just to see how they're going and if there are any effects from this. That's right, Iris. That's often very good practice. And unfortunately, some patients don't realise that there is a reason behind that mm. to, to, to really check and make sure that there aren't any adverse effects happening. And at times, there might be a decision to have a blood test down the, the track just to actually check that the, the electrolytes, the sodium, potassium levels, um, the, the creatinine levels or kidney function levels are all okay after the patient's mm. been on the medication for a little while. What happens if a patient does have an allergic reaction? Well, the advice then is to cease the medication immediately and obtain whatever treatment is appropriate depending on the severity of the reaction. Some reactions called an anaphylactic reaction are are a life-threatening emergency and Mm. then people uh, need to be transported to hospital as soon as possible and uh, receive life-saving medications. Now, fortunately, that's fairly rare. We see a lot more rashes uh, Mm. and, and occasionally, as I mentioned, some wheeziness But one of the points I'd really like to make clear here is that unfortunately a lot of people will tell us that they are in fact allergic to a medication when that's not strictly speaking the case. A a patient might take an an antibiotic and develop quite severe diarrhoea, which might be a side effect of the medication or might even be part of the original illness. And they will say, look, I'm allergic to that medication, but in fact on close questioning they aren't. And in that case it's often quite safe to try the medication again later. So that's why it's always important to, when a, a reaction happens, to discuss it with the doctor and or pharmacist at the time and then document what the name of the drug was that, that caused mm. the problem mm. uh, with a decision about whether it's allergy, not to be taken again, or intolerance, can be tried again in the future. Going back to this thing with the antibiotics and, and severe diarrhoea, is there anything you can treat the diarrhoea for while you continue to get rid of whatever the bug is? <laughs> Look, it depends on the severity of of the symptoms in the first place, we would often decide to withhold the medication in the event of diarrhoea. But if it was a serious life-threatening illness you were Mm. treating in the first place, then that judgment call has to be made. But you you need your GP and sometimes specialist consultants to help us with those sorts of decisions. Mm. So it does happen occasionally that you've got to weigh the good with the bad on you know, which is the best way for the patient to go. That's right. If a patient has a life-threatening infection, uh, they often you know, need the medication. Yeah, and put up with the side effects. Indeed. Brett, these days medications have several different names. Sometimes the pharmacist will say, do you want brand A or we can give you brand B, which is a bit cheaper, but it's the same thing. Is it the same thing? What's the point of prescribing the dearer one if they can get away with the cheaper one anyway? Yeah, Iris, it certainly is the same thing to answer um, mm. one of those those questions. Drugs have to be shown to be what's called bioequivalent. So they, they have to have rigorous studies to show that, first of all, they have the same amount of the active ingredient, but also that that active ingredient is actually absorbed into the person's system in the same quantities and that they have the same actual effects in patients as well. So this is very rigorous testing for each of these medications before a generic brand can be produced. Just to to give you a bit of background about how actually um, generic brands come to be, when a pharmaceutical company first develops a new medicine, it takes out what's called a patent on a medication to ensure that no other company can make and sell the medicine. It's only after the patent has expired that other companies can make copies of the medication. These copies are known as generic medicines. So if if the pharmacist does suggest that simply on a matter of finances that you might be better off with the second brand, they're still getting 
all that they need out of that second brand. Yeah, certainly. As I, as I mentioned, the, the two medications have to be shown to be to work just as effectively. It's important, however, though, that the patient understands about this, this change in brands and that they mm. don't become confused about the brands of medications that they're taking. So I think at this point it's very important that they discuss any problems or any confusion that they may be having with their doctor or their pharmacist. To clarify that, prescription medications have two names. The first name is the active ingredient. The second name is the brand name. The active ingredient is the chemical that makes the medication work as it's intended to work. When a company has a new medicine, it makes the active ingredient and gives it a name. It also gives the medicine a a brand name, which is the name the company uses to promote and to sell the medicine. When a company produces a generic version of the medicine, it gives the generic version of the medicine a different brand name. As I said, this can often become a little bit confusing. I'm confused now, but I know what you're talking about. (laughs) Common medications, for instance, um, Simvastatin, which is used to to lower your cholesterol, Mm. you'll see that there are probably up to 15 or 20 different brand names. Mm. The original brand, the originator, is named Zocor. And just some examples of other brand names which um, people may take are Lipex, Simvar, Simvastatin DP, Terry White, Simvastatin, Zimstat, Chemite, Simvastatin. So you'll see there's a myriad of different brand names. And unfortunately, a patient could go to five different pharmacies and be dispensed five different brands of of Simvastatin, Mm. um, which often, if a patient's taking multiple different medications, can become very confusing. Mm. And Brett has described to us some of the drugs that we're prescribed like the ones for cholesterol which the list seemed to get longer and longer as he went on but what about over-the-counter medicines should we be taking as many over-the-counter as as we do interesting question medicines include all the products we take to treat illness as well as products we take to prevent illness and maintain good health and over-the-counter products bought at pharmacies are medicines so if people are taking other medicines we really want them to discuss whether they're safe to combine. As I mentioned that Australians are great medicine takers and certainly are often likely to reach for a medication when maybe a more simple treatment can help. An example of, of a painkiller versus putting a hot pack on, for example. Mm. That sometimes it is, it is better to, to avoid medicines, particularly when, there's a, when people are already taking lots of different ones. And the same applies to alternative and natural medicines, also known as complementary medicines that we get for naturopaths, health food shop and the likes, vitamins, herbal medicines, homeopathic medicines, Chinese medicines, traditional medicines. These are all medicines and all have an effect. Many users of complementary medicines perceive their use as natural and part of a holistic view of health. And while the intent of using complementary medicines is to gain positive health effects, there's often limited evidence of the effectiveness of of many of these medications. And while they may be low risk, they can also cause allergic reactions, side effects, interactions with prescription medicines, over-the-counter medicines and other other products. And this can result in in reduced um, benefits from Mm. from taking the products. Can you also get a build-up within the body? I mean, they might be taking a, a low dose of something for let's say 12 months and at the end of that time the body has accumulated them is can that cause a risk too well certainly in in someone who has liver or kidney problems Mm. uh, where the average person may tolerate the dose very well but but if the kidneys are impaired and not excreting the dose in the usual way it it certainly can build up and and cause Mm. problems talking about excreting if we take too many of a particular drug or type of drug, does the body naturally excrete what we don't need? 
different medicines are, are metabolized in, in the liver or the kidneys. Yes, there, I mean, there certainly are some, some medications where what, what isn't used washes out, out through, mm. the, through the kidneys very well, but that, that is dependent on, on those organs working appropriately. Mm. Unfortunately, whenever levels become high in the bloodstream, and particularly higher than the, what we call the therapeutic range for, for that p- particular dose, for that particular drug, it can uh, it cause problems. A, a classic is a medication known as digoxin or, or lanoxin. Mm. Uh, that one has what we call quite a narrow therapeutic range. And if, for example, the kidneys aren't working well or if someone thinks, oh, I'm not so well today, I'll take two instead of one, mm. it can build up to a toxic level in the blood and cause side effects. So it, it's something you really do need to talk frequently with the pharmacist or, or the GP. Sure, and some important medications actually need to be monitored. Mm. Um, lanoxin or digoxin, as I mentioned, is one of them. Warfarin is another. Mm. Uh, some of the epilepsy drugs, we need to frequently measure the levels. With other disease states and medications, we might need to regularly monitor the liver and kidneys, uh, for example, some psychiatric drugs, to make sure that they're not causing toxic effects. Brett, is it okay to share medicines? It's not recommended, Iris. There's a number of reasons um, why even common medications um, which can be purchased over the counter in the pharmacy or in the supermarket, such as paracetamol, aspirin and ibuprofen, which is the active ingredient in Nurofen, can be cause adverse effects and can interact with certain medications and certain disease states. So certainly um, it's not a wise idea to, to share medications. We see some, in some cases people sharing medications with friends or relatives who have this, the same disease state as them. This can often be problematic because these medications may interact with other medications that they're taking or they may end up um, duplicating, so taking a, a double dose of, of the same medication. Some people also share medications to save money. Um, this can be tempting sometimes. However, there's definitely the potential for harm there and it's it's really wise um, to try to avoid doing this at all costs, I think. If patients do have medication which is left over, they should avoid sharing it. They should also uh, dispose of it responsibly. The best way to dispose of medications that you're no longer using is to return them to the pharmacy. They'll then be placed in what's called a returned unused medicines bin, which is then taken away and disposed of safely. This ensures that the medication doesn't fall into the wrong hands and um, that there isn't the potential for problems with with sharing medications Mm. and that type of thing. I guess if we just toss leftover medicines into the garbage, then that has long-term effect of getting into wherever the landfill is and, and gets into the soil. So yeah, certainly even flushing medications down the, yeah. the, the toilet as well is another That's um, a common one that thing which, which you can see in, in places where effluent is pumped into. Mm. Um, these medications, actually trace effects of them mm. are seen in, in these areas. So um, responsible um, disposal of medications is a very important issue. Brett, we've got an elderly person, or not so elderly, but someone who is on a lot of medication and they've got to take four in the morning and three at lunchtime and seven at night. How's the best way to manage that? And is there any help for them to be able to manage it? Yeah, Iris, there certainly is help for these people. Uh, There's a, a service which is covered by the government through Medicare called a Home Medication Review this is a service where uh, a GP refers a patient to their, their local community pharmacy. Their community pharmacist um, or an accredited pharmacist will then go out and visit the patient, preferably in their home, mm-hmm. and um, interview the patient about their medications. They'll also provide information about using their medications appropriately, what their medications are for, check that the patient is taking their medications correctly. 
uh, check that no other medications interactions are occurring and that any over-the-counter or complementary medications that the patient is taking are interacting with their, their prescribed medications as well. The pharmacist will then uh, produce a report which they'll send back to the, uh, the patient's doctor and they'll then um, have a follow-up appointment where perhaps changes may be made um, which may be beneficial to the, the patient's mm-hmm. medications. The whole aim of, um, of this process is looking to, to get the maximum benefit out of the medication regimen that, that the person is taking. How about if they've got all these tablets and they're having problems trying to remember, oh, did he tell me to take that one in the morning or at lunchtime? How can the pharmacist help them sort out the, their daily doses? There are other services available which pharmacies provide. Very useful service that a number of patients find is uh, what's called a Webster pack or, or um, a blister pack. These are packed by the pharmacy normally on a weekly basis. This allows the patient person's medications to be put into to four daily doses. It ensures then that the person is having their, their medications packed correctly, that they're taking them at the correct times. And it also allows the person to check whether they have or haven't taken their medication. Mm-hmm. Often what can be a problem is that a person can find they can't remember whether they have or haven't taken their medications. This can either mean that they forget to take their medications or otherwise the other risk is that they take their medications twice which as we said can also be problematic also there are what are called doset boxes which people can use actually pack their own medications Mm. into this is often also a good way however the risk with these can be if a person packs their medications incorrectly so these are a good idea i think for people who have um, a good cognition however when in complicated states, perhaps having the, the pharmacy pack the medications for them can be beneficial mm. as well. That's, we, we do encourage people to get to know the actual chemical name and we actually also encourage doctors and pharmacists to use that name as much as possible so that that will ultimately create less confusion. How can people find out more information about their medicines? There's a terrific service called the National Prescribing Service. It's an independent, not-for-profit organisation which provides medicines information and resources for consumers, health professionals, members and stakeholders. On its website is a a terrific resource um, for, for patients about medications and you can also download the Consumer Medicine Information Leaflet for, for many medications from that NPS mm. website. In many regions of Australia, um, they employ pharmacists who will go out and talk to GPs about the latest information about various oh, medicines. Okay. It's, uh, it's, that's a really helpful service. Mm. It also means that the GPs receive uh, non-drug company promotion mm. information, but evidence-based, un- unbiased uh, uh, information on, on various topics. There's plenty of information if we go looking for it, and it's also available if we don't go looking for it. If someone is just starting off with a new medication, that there's help there if they're not too sure about what's happening. Indeed. We'd always ask people, encourage people to ask. Um, you know, medications are prescribed for very good reasons, and un- unfortunately people suffer harm when they decide not to make, take their medication. Uh, for example, people who don't want to take cholesterol medications, or I often hear, oh, I know my blood pressure's up, but I really don't want to take a blood pressure medication. But at the end of the day, we have to understand what the goals are of the medication. In, in those cases, it's about ultimately reducing the risk of heart attack and stroke. My guests today have been Dr Annette Carruthers and Brett Plum. Brett is a pharmacist and they both work with GP Access. Until the next time, this is Iris Nichols thanking you for listening. We hope we've sorted out a few of your problems. And until the next time we meet, here in the team, we wish you well. <laughs>